I don't really title my messages that much. Um, I don't know why. I just don't. I know good preachers do. I just don't. But uh, today, I've got a title. And I, it's very important to me. The idea has become very important in my life. Uh, and I, I want us to learn this title together. The, the title is uh, called Between the Water and the Walls. Between the water and the walls. And we're going to play a little game really fast because I'm going to brainwash you guys and make sure, even when you leave here today, I want you to be like, I have no idea what he said, but I know there's something important about between the water and the walls. All right? So I'm going to say between the, and you guys are going to say, nope. See, that's good. Close. I'm going to say between the, and you guys are going to say, water. Now I'm going to say, and the, and you guys are going to say, all right, so this is practice. Practice makes perfect. All right, listen, if you're too cool for school, I will hear the sound difference, and I will point directly at you. <laughs> practice between the Water. and the Water. All right, this is the real one, loud as you can. There's something over here you guys aren't, I can't. No, no. Between the Water. and the Water. There we go, between the water and the walls. I believe that this is an incredibly powerful place to be. I believe that this is the place that God is continually trying to draw his people to between the water and the walls. Uh, I, I think that, that, that uh, in our life and our journey uh, with Jesus, as we follow him, as we grow deeper in our relationship with him, as, as time moves on, as God uh, reveals to us our purpose and the plan for our lives and the direction that he's taking us, I think that, that the place where God always wants us to be, the place where uh, he wants us to get comfortable in is a place that I call uh, between the water and the walls. Uh, and this is where we're going to pick up in, in Joshua chapter 5. This is where the people of Israel find themselves. They find themselves literally uh, between the water, the river Jordan, and the walls, the walls of Jericho and the city of Jericho. They find themselves uh, between the water and the walls. They, God uh, opened up and separated the Jordan River just like he did the Red Sea so that they could cross over on the other side, and then he closed the waters back. Um, and now they're standing uh, with the river to their back, no way of escape, and just a little bit ahead across the plains of Jericho is the city of Jericho with its great infamous walls. And this is where we're going to read here in, in Joshua chapter 5, starting with verse 10, between the water and the walls. I'm going to read this really fast. Uh, all the way through. Joshua chapter 5, starting with verse 10. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plain of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now, Verse 13, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. That's a different message for a different day. But as commander of the army of the Lord, and I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. Where is he standing? Come on. Between the water and the walls. It's going to happen a lot today. <laughs> All right. The people you just heard, those are the A students. Those are the ones that sit down at the front. Those are the ones the rest of us hate, okay? Where, where is he standing? Between the water and the walls. 
And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out. No one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. So I, I, I want you to understand the culmination of where we find ourselves in Joshua chapter 5. They are standing between the water and the walls. They're standing in the promised land for the first time eating the produce of the land, set up their tents and camped and set up their, their lives in the promised land for the first time. This has been the position. This has been the place. This has been the circumstance. This has been the situation that God has been trying to drive his people to for well over 40 years. From the second that uh, God scared Moses out of his mind through the burning bush all those years ago, from that very moment, God has been trying to drive the people of Israel to this place. And today I want to talk about why it took them so long to get there. In fact, I want to talk about why the, the Joshua and the younger generation, the second generation, were able to find themselves in this place that God had drawn them to between the water and the walls. And why the first generation, the older generation, the generation that was set free from Egypt, why they just could not get it within themselves to cross the river and get to where God was calling them to. And we've talked a lot about this through this series. We talked about the mountains that kind of stand in our way, uh, on our path, on our relationship with God as God takes us deeper, as God shows us who we are, as God reveals our purpose, as God leads us, that, that there's, there's mountains that stand in our way, and it's faith and faith alone that will move those mountains so that we can proceed forth. And we've talked a lot about fear, and that's definitely a part of it. It's definitely the, the Israelites, the first generation, they were afraid to cross. They were afraid of the giants. They were afraid of the armies. They are afraid of the, the walled cities. That There was a fear that set in. There was a deep insecurity uh, that set in that they weren't strong enough, that they weren't good enough. And uh, anytime we we measure the things in front of us towards ourselves and not God, we will always, always come up short. Uh, there's a lot of that. Uh, and absolutely 100%, uh, they struggled to trust not the ability or the power of God, but they struggled heavily to trust the goodness of God. And that played a huge part uh, into why they never crossed and why they chose to go die in the desert. Uh, but the thing I want to talk to you about today uh, is, is kind of a combination of all of them and kind of sits at the foundation of each of those things, sits at the foundation of the fear, sits at the foundation of the insecurity, sits at the, the foundation of so many things and so many ideas and so many reasons why uh, when, we, when we hear a call on our lives or the Spirit of God is leading us or, or, or we get to a place why we, we, when we have opportunities to obey and follow through uh, with the great things that God calls us to while we choose to go back. There's one uh, universal, I think, uh, I'm, I feel good about saying universal there, maybe 99.9% .9 of the time. Uh, there's this, this thing that sits at the foundation of so many of the reasons why we are not faithful to God. And it's a pattern you see from the second that Moses shows up in Egypt, all the way through the desert, all the way to the first time they stood facing the promised land, all the way through the 40 years, and now all the way back, that first generation, they struggled with something heavy. And I'm going to call that thing uncertainty. They struggled with uncertainty. They, they struggled uh, with anything that they didn't know or that they couldn't fully understand. They struggled with, with, with uncertainty, not knowing how, not knowing when, not knowing what it would look like. And I, and I want you to understand something about uh, the place that, that, that they found themselves is, 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 is God called them 
up out of Egypt where they were slaves, where they were beaten, uh, where they were entrapped, where they had no purpose, where they had no, it was just merely existing in a horrible lifestyle and brought them into an uncertain situation. And they were so uncomfortable with uncertainty that they desired to go back to the horrible life as a slave simply because they knew the details of what that life would be like. Meaning that they knew that it would be horrible, they knew that it would be bad, they knew that it would be difficult, but they, were, they wanted more the certainty of knowing what was there versus traveling into uncertainty with God. That's how powerful uncertainty was to their lives. That's how much they struggled with it. And you struggle with it too. I struggle with it too. I go back over the course of my life and I, I realize, and I don't know that I would have been able to say this six months ago, but I realized one of the things that I've struggled with the most through the course of my life, and I would be one of the best, so many of us in this room, one of the things that we struggle with the most is uncertainty. Not knowing the how, the when, the why, not, 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 not being able to see the plan and details, not being able to know. And the problem with this, and I need you to hear me truthfully, if you don't hear anything else for the rest of the day uh, and you tune out, the one thing that I need you to understand as believers, the one thing I need you to understand about the God that we serve is that God will always, always, always bring clarity to your life and he will always bring a promise, but he will almost never, ever bring certainty. Not in the form that we ask for it. He'll bring clarity. And, th and that's, that's really what we have here. He'll bring clarity and a promise. He said, clarity, leave Egypt, cross the desert, cross the river, and I'll give you the promised land. Clarity and a promise. He said to Moses, get them there, cross the river Jordan, cross the waters, and I'll deliver all the enemies, all the kings, all the armies. Clarity and a promise. This is the way that God operates. If you go through Genesis to Revelation, you will see over and over and over and over again that God brings supreme clarity. God is never going to hold you accountable to something that he never said to you. Like, this, is, this is big. You're, ne you're never going to find yourself being convicted of not doing something that God never told you to do to begin with. But once God does bring clarity to your life, now you're on the hook. And so there's a lot of times I talk with people and they're like, I'm praying for clarity. I'm praying for God to give me the direction. I'm praying for God to show me the next step. I'm, I'm praying for God to open up the door and I walk down. I'm praying for God. I promise you, beyond the shadow of a doubt, you start praying things like that and God will give you clarity. But you better be careful because once he gives you the clarity, you're now on the hook for what he said to you. God gives clarity and he'll always attach promises. He does this in every way, shape, and form. And I just want you to understand, if you go back to Abraham, I just imagine this. Imagine this. God comes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I need you to get all your wealth. I need you to get all your animals. I need you to get all your family. I need you to get all the people that are yours. I need you to stand up, and I need you to leave. And when you leave, I'll show you the land where I'm going to take you. Now, if I'm Abraham, I'm like, you want me to pack everything up, get all the animals. It's not like today when like, we, we, you know, we get our phones and we pretty much got everything. Like, it's not like we just go to the bank and get a cashier's check and we're gone. Get all of my stuff is like a million animals and herders and the family and, and, and all of our livelihood and all. You want me to get up and you want me to go? And then once we're gone, then you'll tell me where we're going? And God was like, yep, see you there. <laughs> or Peter. 
Simon, before he was Peter. Leave the nets, come and follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Clarity promise. Weird promise, but a promise. Come and follow me. Leave your nets, come and follow me. Clarity. And I'm going to do something crazy awesome in your life. Promise. But no certainty. No certainty. This is what uh, Abraham uh, struggled with, but I think he struggled with it less than pretty much every other human being in history. And I think that this is one of the most dominating factors of Simon Peter's life. Continually not not having certainty, continually not knowing. God's saying, Jesus is saying this, uh, and he's promising this, uh, but I I don't know what that's going to look like, and I don't know really what that means, and I don't know if that aligns with what I really want to do in my life. And and you just have all this stuff, and we struggle over and over again. We, We struggle all the time. God always brings clarity, and he always brings a promise, but almost never is there true certainty in the form of details, in the form of the plan, and be able to see it. And we experience this all the time in the small things and in the big things. I'm living it right now. I'm doing this thing right now. I'm walking in this paradigm right now because uh, in the last uh, few weeks and months, God has really delivered uh, this message into my heart. Without doubt, he's given me clarity. This is the message for this people this day. Without doubt, I know that. All right, And he's promised in scripture and in other ways, he's promised that my word never fails. That as my word goes forth, that it'll bring down fruit, it'll, 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 it'll save, it'll change, it'll set people free. It'll but here, I have no certainty of in between the clarity of what he's given me in the message and the promise that it will never fail. I walk out here, I have no idea. I have no idea whether you're going to clap or you're going to boo me off the stage. I have no idea whether you're going to fall asleep or beat your record on Angry Birds. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea. I don't know that, that, that it's going to change and rock your world for the rest of your life. It's never going to be the same. Uh, I, I've literally sat in services and I, I have watched people come up there bawling, eyes weeping, God's changed my life forever. I'll never be the same. And like their husband standing behind them still on the phone. Yeah, it was, it was really good. You're Pastor Ferg. Is this Elevate? Is this Elevate? No. Oh, no, wrong church. Sorry. <laughs> Change life. No clue where they are. What I just said to you was actually really happened once. So I want you to think about that. God gives me clarity. I walk out. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. I don't know, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know the details. I don't know whether it's going to matter. I don't know whether it's going to not. I may never see the fruit of it, but I have clarity and I have a promise, but I don't have the certainty in between. I don't have the details. I don't know, I don't know that it's going to be a national revival. I don't know. that. I don't know. I don't know. Every week I walk out here with the clarity that God's given me and the promise and have no idea in between. That's between him and you guys. And you guys hurt my feelings a lot, by the way. One guy the other week was sleeping. I wanted to yell at him. He was like, I was praying. I'm like, you're lying. You're lying. He was like, I worked late. You were lying. Yeah. And what happens when God brings clarity to our lives? So much of the time, we, we start this bargaining thing with God. Well, I've got clarity, but God, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like if I'm faithful with the clarity. I mean, let's just take, just take the very plain, universal truths and clarity that God brings in Scripture, okay? Like, God, I, I know, I know that, that you've said, hey, there is a way that you need to raise your children. 
There's a, there's a way. There's a system to it. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a power to disciplining in this way. There's a power to it. But in our modern age, in our modern culture, uh, we get the clarity of it. And then there's a promise, some great promises about our children. But then we're sitting there and we're like, yeah, but I don't know like, what it's going to look like. And I, I was watching Dr. Phil the other day. And Dr. Phil said, you know, that if you tell your kid no, uh, that it might hurt their feelings. And then they won't go anywhere in life. Well, if you don't tell your kid no, at some point, they will super not go anywhere but your basement for the rest of your life. We're learning that. But there, there's clarity in that. And there, there's cl- I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how it works. I just know that, that, that my little beautiful Hudson, my little son, uh, has this new addiction to hopping out of his little bed in the middle of the night and roaming the house uh, looking for things to destroy. And I've had to have a one very serious moment of discipline and love with him. And it fixed it, okay? So I don't know the details. I know that God gave clarity on the how, and I, and I know that there's a promise attached to it. I don't know if it's science. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if it's just a purely spiritual or some common. I don't, I don't know the, the certainty of in between, but I know that when God gives clarity, there's a promise attached to it. I'm faithful with the clarity, then I live out and I'll see the promise. But so much of the time when we get the clarity, we start bargaining with God about the certainty, and we start saying things like, God, I know. I, know. I, I hear this all the time. I know. I know that, that God has, has called me to, to stop sleeping with my girlfriend, stop sleeping with my boyfriend. We weren't Christians. We started coming to church, and I, I've had a moment with God, and I've given my life to Christ, and now I, I can feel this, this, this thing that we call conviction, and I know that, but, but I, don't, I don't know how he's going to respond. I know you've made it clear to me what's right and what's best and what is good for me, and there's some crazy, amazing promises uh, to walking in obedience and being faithful to that clarity, but I don't know if he's on the same page. I don't know if he's going to leave me. I don't know if he's just going to think I'm weird. I don't know. He didn't really sign up for this. He didn't know that I was going to get So God, if, you, if you'll just save him, then I'll be faithful with the clarity. If you'll just change him, if you'll just, you know, let, let him come to me and tell me I don't want to sleep with you anymore. One Outside the power of the Holy Spirit, that ain't going to happen. I'm just going to speak universally for all mankind on that one. Everybody's like, <laughs> uh, the clarity, and I, but I just feel just if make certain, just show, just say, save them, and then I'll do it. I mean, we do it with our marriages all the time. God, I know that there's a way that I'm supposed to treat my wife. I know there's a way that I'm supposed to, to handle marriage. I know there's a way I'm supposed to handle conflict. I know that there's a way that you've made that clear. But, but, but you know what? She's not really holding up her end of the bargain. I know that you've really made this thing clear to me. But you've got to fix her. If you'll just fix her, then I'll be able to do this. Right? Less people laughed at that one. Because <laughs> somebody was like, I was just praying that prayer this morning on the way here. I thought it was a good prayer. I see this all the time. You know the place I see this the most? With sin. Sin in our life. Because I, I, wanna, I don't want to get into a theological war right now, so just listen to me. And if you don't like this, go read the Bible. So uh, the thing about sin, forgiveness of sin, forgiveness of sin doesn't actually come from confessing our sin to mankind or womankind or to people. The forgiveness of our sin comes by what? Grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Okay. So the confession of sin to people doesn't give us forgiveness. It gives us freedom is what the Bible says. That if we've got something with inside of us, that, if we, that, that as long as it's a secret thing, uh, that it will pretty much dominate your life. 
but that if you can open up and humble yourself and get past your own image and confess it. Now, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying, please, please do not go post some crazy stuff on Facebook. That's not the point here. You don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to send out a mass group text. That's not, that's not what this is. It's, but there is power, the Bible says. There's power. There's clarity. If you will confess it, if you will confess it, there'll be healing. There'll be freedom from it. You expose the darkness to the light. The darkness cannot exist where the light is. There, there's power to that. But all the time, I see people, they'll come and they'll say, listen, I've got, this, I've got this thing, but I don't know how they'll respond. I don't know how my boss will respond when I tell them that I've been stealing staples every week for 10 years. Right? I, I, I don't know how he'll respond uh, if I say that I've been texting my ex-boyfriend uh, that I'm not supposed to be talking to, obviously, when nothing's happened, but it's just kind of developed, and I've, you know, I just don't, I don't know how he'll respond. Uh, you know, I, just, I, I don't know if, 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 I'm, if I'm honest about the emotional relationship that I've developed uh, at work, if I'm honest and I open it and I confess that, I don't know how that she'll respond. I don't, I don't know how they'll treat, I, I don't know what they'll do. And so we kind of get stuck in this thing. Well, there's clarity and there's a promise. But what we say is if you could just, if you, could just you know, let them, let, show me, just make sure, like, show me how it's going to work out and show me the details of it and show me what it means when I'm going to be free or I'm going to be, you know, all that junk Jordan talks about on Sunday mornings. If you just make that paint a little clear picture for me and show me exactly if I go and say this, what this will be, I don't, is it going to be my, I, all the time we deal with this. I see it with money, wealth, all the time. You know, I know that God says to honor him with our finances. I know, and there's so many promises. Solomon's like, you honor God uh, with your wealth, and you give him your first fruits and offerings. And it says that your wine vats are in our world. Uh, your, your bank account, your, there'll be blessings just poured out. Malachi says, God's mouth itself says, test me on this. He says, if you will be faithful uh, with the giving, faithful with your finances, honor me, bring the tithe. I will open up the, the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that you. And he goes, test me on this. So there's, there's clarity and there's um, crazy promises, but people all the time, well, I know that this is what the Lord's leading me to do, and I know that it's clear in Scripture, and I know that God's bringing me to this place, but I just, I don't know what that'll look like, and I don't know if I'll be able to buy Starbucks as much this month if I do that, and, and I just, is, what does it mean when open the windows of heaven? Is there like a button, you know, and like and, and, and a car comes down and like gold falls out? Like what, what does that mean? Is it knowledge? Is God going to get me figure out how to manage? Most of the time, you don't have an income problem or a money problem. You have a management problem. Sometimes some of the greatest thing God could ever do to you in your finances is teach you how to actually manage the money God's already given you. That we got too much. Everybody's like, I need more money. No, you need to learn how to be wise with your money. I, 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 no, give too much debt because you can't control your spending because you don't know how to manage money. Sometimes if you just start being honorable, uh, faithful with God, I've seen this. God, all of a sudden, he will just they'll open up knowledge and revelation to you about how to manage money that you've never had before, and everything will be different, and you won't make one more dime more. But that's the promises of God. God says, you honor me, honor me with it. But people all the time, oh, I don't know what it's going to look like and what does that mean and, and how is this going to look like? And, you know, and I'm, I, I, it's funny to me so many times. The only time I hear people go into deep biblical research is trying to prove why they don't have to honor God with their finances. The American church will give and trust their children to the church before they will their finances. We have a problem. God brings clarity. And he attaches a promise. We were joking around about sex earlier, but I was laughing. He started talking about money. <laughs> that lets you know what has a hold of your heart. Mm. So much of the time. So let's, you know, before people start walking out, let's just, what about, what about the things that God calls us to in our life? I really feel like the Lord's leading me to start a Bible study 
at my job. I know he's, a, there's just, I've been praying about it and there's just been clarity and there's been confirmation and I, and I know it, uh, but I, I just, I don't know, am I going to get fired? Are people going to make fun of me? Is this going to be a difficulty? You know, if, if God will just, just give me some type of vision or something, just give me, just know that if I go and start a Bible study at my work, that there'll be a national, international revival, you know, and I'll be faithful with the clarity. Well, what happens if you do get fired? Who cares? What happens if nothing happens? Right? I know that God's calling me to, to have a career change. I've been chasing this thing and going this direction and going this way. But God, every, every few weeks, every few months, God's just starting to kind of pull me this different direction and go this different way. And, and I want to do it. And I want to be faithful with the clarity. But I just don't know about the financial thing. And I don't know about the money side of it. And I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. And I, I, don't, I don't want to get in uncertainty and unstableness. So, if, God, if you, could just, if you could just secure me, you know, the job before, if you could just show me and just give it to me and make sure maybe you just give my wife, you know, like a half a million dollar raise or something like that. Just, you know, and then I'll be faithful with the clarity. I just feel like God's really giving me, I, I need to end the friendship in my life. I hear this one all the time. I need, God has brought this to me. There's, there, um, it's leading me. I know that this person, this group is not good for me. I know that it, and I know, but I don't, I don't, can you just deliver me some good friends before I make the departure? Because I don't really want to be alone. And, you know, I don't want to have Memorial Day at uh, home alone on my couch. You know, I would, even if I'm with People that I don't need to be with, I would rather be with people than, than risk the loneliness. So if you could just, before I'm faithful with the clarity, could you just deliver, you know, the right thing and the right step and the right? Is it the people of Israel, the rest of history, and just me that struggle with this, or do you guys struggle with this too? Right? God brings clarity and a promise, but so many times we aren't faithful with the clarity because we're uncomfortable with the Lack of certainty. And ultimately, this is why the first generation chose to go die in the desert. Because they knew what the desert would be like. They knew what the desert life would be like. They knew that the cloud would be there by day and the fire would be there by night. They knew that the manna, there would be guidance. They knew that the manna would come up. The bread, God would provide for them. And they knew that, they, they knew that it would be a, a mediocre existence, but they at least knew what it was going to be. And so they looked over in there and they didn't know how God was going to deliver them the land. They didn't know when God was going to deliver the land. They didn't know if, 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 if people were going to get killed in the process. They didn't know the risk. They, didn't, they had so much uncertainty. And this is, this is the thing. People do it all the time. I've, I've done it. And it's led to some of the greatest regrets of my life. You guys have done it. They did it. And this was absolutely the worst regret of their life is that so many times we will listen to me. We will take a certain, mediocre, meaningless season or phase of life simply because there is supreme comfort in knowing what's around every corner versus following God into uncertainty, not knowing where it'll all end up. Over and over and over again, humanity finds themselves in the desert simply because they know what to expect and they can't bring themselves to put there and cross their lives and their marriages and their kids into a land of uncertainty and trust God. This, I think, is one of the greatest mountains that we will ever face as a people with God. God brings clarity and a promise. But because you don't have the details, because you don't know for sure because you don't see how it's going to work. 
you would go take nothingness over everything simply because you know what nothingness looks like. Let me put it in a... You would take... You would rather have a marriage where you know you're struggling with something, where you know that you can't trust her and she can't trust you. You would take the known marriage, the known issues. You would take that, take the struggles, take the secret sin, take the trust issues. You would take that over trusting God and confessing a sin or trusting God and changing your ways because you're afraid of the uncertainty. You will take what you know is bad, what you know isn't healthy, what you know is uncomfortable, what you know is going to bring down your life and bring down your state of living. You will take mediocreness. You'll take it because you know it over risking confessing or saying or changing something and trusting God with the end result. We do it all day long. All day long. We would rather, we would rather take the, the nine to five and the, and the certainty of the little paycheck and the certainty of that little neighborhood we've always wanted to live in and the certainty of the little normal American dream job over chasing God into uncertainty and trusting God with the result of our life. You could go down, and that's the reality, is I could stand up here all day long and we could go from example to example to example to example from the very small mundane things in life all the way to the greatest things in life. And we could see all day long how God brings clarity and he always attaches a promise and we struggle the most to be faithful with the clarity because of the uncertainty that stands in between. But I wanna, I'm going to read this to you again. I'm going to show you something. Five thirteen. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So I want you to understand the reality of what's happening here. And I want you to listen to me. Because this is one of those messages where you're going to receive a warning, a caution about your way of life. And it's going to be one of those things where you, you don't have to believe me and you don't, you don't have to go, you don't have to listen and you can just kind of go on and do your thing and keep whatever. But I'm telling you right now, for many of us in this room this morning, this is a supreme warning and caution from the Holy Spirit about the way that you're choosing to live your life. And it's beyond a warning and a caution. It is a call from God to chase him into the greatness of who he called you to be. Because something powerful happens right here. I'm going to go back. It says that when Joshua was near Jericho, meaning he's there, he can see it, he's there. He's near Jericho. When he's near Jericho, when he's in this place, in this position, God shows up in his life in a way that he never had before. In fact, he showed up in such a powerful way, in such a very specific and rare way. It's only happened one or two other times in the Bible where something so powerful, the presence of God becomes so strong 
that God himself calls it holy ground or a holy place or a sacred place or a place that has been set apart. And this is the thing that I I want you to understand. I, I think it's very unique that he says, the place where you are standing is holy ground or it's a holy place or it's holy set apart. See, for me, I'm getting to this place where I don't think the battle in our life is about Jericho or about the walls or about the armies or about the giants. See, because that battle, that's the Lord's battle. The walls, the giants, the armies, the things that lay out ahead of us, that's, that's the Lord's battle. Our battle is the internal mountains that stand between us and trusting God. And see, what Joshua found himself in this place near Jericho, and because his foot was there, he was standing there. God called it holy ground. He came in a deep presence and called it holy ground. For 40 years, over 40 years, God has been saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Go to the promised land, cross the river, and I'll give you everything. Go to the promised land, cross the Jordan, and I'll give you everything. From from Moses to when they were in Egypt to right after the Red Sea to all through the first journey to the 40 years, God has been saying the same thing over and over and over again. He brought supreme clarity. Go to the land, cross the river, and I will give you everything. And for all of that time, person after person after person, a generation, that first whole generation, could not and would not bring themselves to trust God and simply cross over into the uncertainty. And this is the powerful thing that I need you to understand, I need you to hear. God has brought clarity to your life. God has brought clarity about all sorts of things within Scripture. He's brought clarity about how you're supposed to live your life. He's brought clarity about how you're supposed to handle marriage. He's brought clarity about how you're supposed to raise your children. He's brought clarity about your friendship. He brought clarity about your direction in life. He's brought clarity, countless clarity, and attached so many promises to Him. When you begin to walk with God, the Holy Spirit begins to speak with you and lead you to certain things, lead you down certain directions. It starts to pull you from who you thought you were to who God raised you up and created you to be. And there is a vast difference between who you thought you were before you knew Jesus and who God raised you up and created you to be. And because there is such a vast difference, the Holy Spirit is always going to start pulling you. And that means there's going to be things that change. That means that you're going to continually find yourself standing at the water and God giving you clarity to cross over and be faithful with the things that he gave. And this is the power of it. God himself is waiting on the other side between the water and the walls. The presence and the power of God is waiting on the other side for you. And this is the thing that the people of Israel never understood. It was never supposed to be a cloud. It was supposed to be God. It was never supposed to be a fire. It was supposed to be God. Moses was never supposed to stand between them and the presence of God. They chose that. It was never supposed to be manna. It wasn't supposed to be those things. It was always supposed to be the deep-seated power and presence of a living God. But because they would not be faithful with the things that God made clear, they continued to live on baby food, mediocrity, nothingness, meaningless, throwing their life away, chasing what? Nothing. And for their entire life, God said one thing over and over and over and over again. Cross the river. Cross the water. 
and I'll give you everything. God has brought clarity to your life. And as long as you sit on the other side of the clarity, my message to you this morning is, you might have some manna, you might have a cloud, you might have some fire, but you will not have the deep-seated presence of God because it's on the other side of the water, between the water and the walls. And if you will be faithful with the clarity and bring your butt across the water, he's waiting on you. And there's something special and unique about that place, so much so that he calls it holy ground. And then I think this is just God. Joshua says, who are you for us, for our enemies? He says, neither. But as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said, take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. So I, I want you to hear what I'm telling you. To me, I think this is funny. All right, I know it's a serious moment and I know it's, I know it's very serious. But for me, I can just imagine Joshua after all he's been through. He arrives up here, this powerful presence. He's never felt God, seen God like this, not like this before. And then God points over to the city that's still standing. The walls are still standing. The kings are still inside. The generations of skilled warriors are still inside. All the resources and all their weapons, everything is still there. And God says, I just imagine with a smile, see, I've handed it all over to you. And Joshua being like, you mean the wall that's still standing? The city that's still filled with warriors? And this is the thing the Lord put in my heart, and I could really care less what you think about it. God was trying to get them to the situation to simply see Jericho. As soon as they could get to the place where they could see Jericho, for God, you may not understand this, you may not get this, you may not like this, but for God, from God's perspective, J Joshua standing near Jericho, being able to see it, was already the proof and the evidence that God was going to hand it over to him. What that means is, is that our battle, your battle, my battle, your responsibility, my responsibility, it's not about the walls falling down. It's not about the, the, how the end result is going to happen. It's when God brings us clarity. Our battle is trusting the power, the goodness, the greatness of God and being faithful with the clarity. And as soon as we cross over the water, the end of our responsibility is done. And God will do the rest. Most of you, I promise you, most of you will never see that great level of God in your life because you stand like an entitled, selfish little brat. I'll be faithful with the clarity when you give me what I want first. And that right there is why you, Mr. and Mrs. American Christian, will die in your boring, mediocre life and you will never do the things God called you to do because you look at him like a brat and demand certainty when God's given you clarity and attached it with promises. But for the few of you that will stop acting like an entitled, spoiled, little baby Christian for the few of you that will grow a pair and be faithful with the clarity that God has given you and you will cross over. It is you that will change the world. It is you that will walk in greatness. It is you that the presence of God will pour out. It is you that everybody else will watch do the things you were born to do. What I get tired of 
What my patience is growing thin is people continually seeing the clarity of God and then whining about it. And here's the thing, time moves like that. One year, two years, 10 years, then you're retired, then there's nothing. You get one life to do something. You get one life, and I promise you, God has brought you clarity. And if you're wondering where God is, he's right on the other side, waiting on you to step in to the reality that he's called you to. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I want to get excited. And I want to say, I'll see you there. I want to say something like that. I want to be like, let's cross the water and I'll see you there. I want to say, let's go to the holy ground. Let's go to that place. Let's go challenge the walls. Let's go be who God called us to be. But then I think back and I realize that whole first generation, there was just Joshua, there was just Caleb, there was just Moses. I'm telling you, you're going to cross the water, but it's not going to be with the majority. You're going to live a life of greatness, but it's not going to be with everybody you're around right now. You're going to do something great. You're going to be somebody for the name of Jesus, and God's going to rock your world, and he's going to change everything. But I promise you, most people, most people will look into the uncertainty and the potential of greatness in God. Then they will look back at the comfort of knowing mediocrity and choose mediocrity simply because they already know what that looks like. What a horrible reason to waste your life. What a horrible reason to throw your marriage away. What a horrible... Mm. I have to stop. I have to stop. But there is a weight in my heart right now that hasn't been here yet. God has brought clarity to your life. Be faithful with it and watch Him change everything. You guys will stop.